This is the Peers to Peers podcast, powered by The Peers Project. Hello, peers. Welcome to the Peers to Peers podcast. Peers speaking, peers listening. This is a conversation for you. I'm your host, Michelle Akitanor, founder of The Peers Project, millennial entrepreneur, world traveller, podcast expert, and forever your fellow passionate peer. Each week, I invite inspiring millennial entrepreneurs from around the globe to chat with me. No filters, just real talk, peer-to-peer. Together, we unpack what it takes to go your own way and why there's nothing better. As always, thank you for listening. If you enjoy our podcast, please do pass it on. The more peers, the merrier. Hello, my peers, and welcome to another episode of the Peers Project podcast. Today's guests are two fabulous women who I very much so admire. They're the founders of highly successful fashion blog, How to Live, and Shoeline Twoobs. Featured in the likes of Grazia UK and the Huffington Post, these two women are shaking up the fashion industry with their twin look and boss woman attitude. So, who are these brilliant women I'm talking about? Well, they go by the names of Jess and Steph Dadden. I was fortunate to have the opportunity to interview both Jess and Steph here in Melbourne several months ago and learn of their journey and their story to date. So without further ado, here is my interview with the Dadden sisters. Jess, Steph, welcome to the Peers Project. Thanks so much for taking the time to join us. Thanks for having us. Great. So look, I met both of you after you both presented at uh, the League of Extraordinary Women event, the last event they had here in Melbourne. And I was super intrigued by what you guys do, your work, and also your story. Um, And so I knew I had to have you come on the podcast. So I really appreciate you guys taking the time. Yeah, awesome. We're very excited. Yay. Love that. Cool. So before we dive into your work, How to Live and Tubes, I want to start with a question that I've often found very insightful and revealing, and that is, what did your parents do and how has this impacted the choices you've made in your life and in your career so far? That is an interesting one. I think for us, it's not even just what our parents did, um, but, you know, we had a lot of amazing role models in our lives, aunties and cousins as well, and we had a lot of really strong female role models, a lot of women in business around us. And I think that definitely had an influence on us. People say to us, how did you have the confidence? And for us, it was just never a barrier that we were women. We always saw it as you're a woman, you can do whatever you want. You can be whoever you want to be. Yeah, absolutely. As Steph said, we have a huge family and it's very, very female heavy. And so we just had all these amazing women to look up to. And I guess in a way we kind of took it for granted. And that's also why within what we do now that we're in the startup world and we see that there are so many other women who don't have that sort of, you know, role models to look to, it's become really important to us that we are able to, you know, act as that for other people and also show women that, you know, we can do it too. Mm, I love that. Very cool. Okay. So talk to us about a specific role model. So, you know, maybe it was your auntie or someone who really played a pivotal part in your very early years. 
I think um, for us, our grandmother, our mum's mum, um, was always a very strong role model for us and also extremely stylish. So that's definitely where we got the fashion bug from. She used to invite us into her wardrobe occasionally and would let us pick out a piece. And we have just some of the most amazing gowns from the 70s. Um, so that really sparked an interest in fashion for us. Um, and I think, yeah, even beyond, you know, her interior design style, everything, she's just the most stylish woman. So that was, that was really cool for us to kind of inherit that a little bit. And inherit that you definitely did. Um, okay. Very interesting. Okay. So I want to dive into Jess and Steph, the early years. So, you know, talk to us a bit about, I mean, obviously your sisters, um, if everyone couldn't tell, um, talk, <laughs> to us, yeah. <laughs> talk to us a bit about, you know, those very early days and, you know, maybe when you were children, you know, what was your dynamic like? Was it still like how it is today? You know, what's your age gap? Talk to us a bit about that. Um, yeah, so we're actually five years apart. Everyone thinks that we're twins because we look very, very alike. Um, but we did always grow up super close. And I actually think that that age gap actually meant that we were closer because we didn't share things like we didn't have to share a wardrobe. We didn't have to share friends. We didn't have to share a birthday. And it meant that we could kind of, you know, have this like amazing sisterly bond that we chose to have rather than, you know, with twins, it's often forced upon them. Um, so yeah, we definitely grew up always super, super close. And then our mum also liked to dress us in matching clothes when we were pretty young, which was adorable. <laughs> Love that. And then cut to like 20 years later when we rediscovered that and twin dressing where we were dressing alike was actually a really big part of how our brand grew and what got people really to notice how to live. Mm. Yeah. And we were definitely, um, we were interested in fashion from a young age. We actually dreamed up this concept before we even started our blog of running this thing that we called the dad on house, which was like coming to shop our wardrobe. And, you know, we had this dream that we would run the shop side and our brother would have a cafe out the back and that would be what we did. So fashion was always yeah on the horizon. Mm. Love that. So when did you, you know, when was it that that actually came to the forefront. So obviously you had, you had these dreams and, you know, you always kind of, people said that you had this awesome bond, you know, people said, no, maybe you're twins, but you actually weren't. When did fashion come to the forefront and when did this idea of we could actually collaborate and do something come to the forefront? So we were both um, working on our own things because I obviously graduated five years before Jess. <laughs> um, I started a vintage label with a friend after we backpacked Europe. We just came back really inspired and we were like, let's sell vintage clothes. So we went around to market selling our clothes and then we noticed that there was a gap for really cool market, not just showcasing vintage wares, but also emerging designers. So we started our own um, market for emerging designers and vintage clothing called Up and Comers Fashion Market. This was many, many years ago. Um, and yeah, it was a really cool market. Jess used to help us like man, mm. man the stalls. Yeah, I would stuff. work there on the weekend to get my friends to come hang out. <laughs> she it was, was in fun. <laughs> it was really fun. And so I was doing that for a couple of years. Meanwhile, Jess graduated and then started working at, was it Top Man, your first job? 
Yeah, yeah. So I, so straight after school, I went to RMIT and I started studying fashion and textile merchandising. And then alongside that, I was also working at Topman as a stylist. Um, so yeah, I mean, we were both kind of working in fashion at the time. And then it, it was actually my first year of uni. I think I was 19 when we decided that we'd do, that we'd start our blog, How to Live. Um, and so at the time, you know, blogging ha- was really taking off overseas, but there wasn't much of it in Australia and we decided to create this daily diary um so every day Steph or I would go onto the blog and at 10 a.m every morning we'd upload an outfit photo and a little diary post kind of talking to each other so I guess we were like digital pen pals you know that kind of thing and that was when it all started Mm -hmm. Wow. So much to take in. I love it. Cool. So I'm just going to backtrack a little bit. So you said that, you know, obviously, you know, you had your own kind of store and and whatnot, your own kind of label and, and um, yeah, there was a bit of a collaboration there, but I want to dive a bit deeper into this idea of the fact that you guys knew what you wanted to do and you weren't afraid to go out and actually make that happen. So many of us out there, you know, many of our peers out there listening, maybe thinking, well, you know, I've, I've always known what I wanted to do since I was a child, like you guys, since you know, I saw my grandmother or, you know, a, a female figure or whoever it was, um, kind of paved that path for me. But, you know, not many of us, us actually think that our childhood dreams can turn into our reality. So talk to us a bit about the mindset that you guys maybe had or developed um, to get in the mindset of this is what we actually want to do and we're going to go make that happen. Talk to us a bit about that. Yeah, I think uh, we didn't even know exactly what we wanted to do, which is definitely a common thing for young people that, you know, we knew we had this passion for fashion and we knew that we wanted to do something in that realm, but we kind of had no idea what it was. So I think that trying out all of these different things was really helpful, um, I guess, I, I wouldn't say my market failed, but it, you know, it was, it was definitely a learning experience ended up. I actually started the business with my best friend at the time. We had a huge falling out, which oh, no. I know the stories always end like that. <laughs> Don't worry. They're best friends now. We're best friends again, but men did the relationship. Yeah, but we needed to kind of cut ties on the market. I continued with it. And then, you know, ultimately it wasn't going to be that profitable, but it was just a really amazing experience, learning experience. I also think how to live was a really great starting point for us. Cause we weren't actually committing to anything, you know, it's not like now with our shoe label where, you know, if we're about to spend, if we're about to place a huge order for our new summer collection, we have to output this much money, this much time, this much expenditure. It was literally like, let's just start a fashion blog and see where this takes us. And it allowed us to do a little bit of styling, a little bit of modeling, a little bit of designing, you know, we kind of got to see a lot of areas of the industry and then decide from there where we wanted to end up. Hmm. I think that's a really good takeaway, the idea of having kind of that side hobby or that passion project that you're working on on the side whilst you're still doing your job and you're working. Um, Yeah, okay. Definitely, yeah. yeah. We're all about the side hustle and we've actually recently opened up grant applications. I don't know if you've seen, it's called Too Good. And where we've been going through the applications, we got 150 in our first round and people are applying for up to $5,000 and a mentorship from us. And it's amazing to see how many people have a side hustle now. You know, they say that's like the big millennial thing. And it's such a cool way to be able to test out 
what you want to be doing, find what really works. And then when you're ready, you can move it over to hopefully being your full-time gig. Mm, I realized I even have a side hustle. I'm about to do a oh. yoga teacher training. Isn't that oh, hilarious? We've all got our side hustles. I love it. Um, and I completely agree. I think that's such a such an interesting takeaway. When you speak to everyone, it's almost like we've been given this, you know, people are now almost granting us the opportunity to go, hey, this is what I actually want to be doing and we can actually do it on the side now. I feel like that wasn't always the case. So maybe we're lucky in that way. Okay, cool. So diving back into your story, you started the blog, you know, you're, you're kind of doing it on the side, you're testing out different things. What was that initial kind of experience like? What were some of your early challenges? I mean, this was kind of at the very beginning stages of social media. So I guess it was a challenge, but it was also we had a bit of an advantage in that we were jumping on it early. So when we first started the blog, we didn't even have Instagram, which is just crazy to think about now. And so we kind of were tasked with this challenge of, okay, how are we going to get our blog out there? You know, like if you didn't have Instagram today, how are you going to promote something? So we started um, posting the photos that we were taking for our daily diary. We started posting them on the walls of, of brands' Facebook pages. We would email them to brands' customer service and just trying to grab the brand's attention and say, hey, we're wearing your pieces. Would you like to repost this? Just as a way of getting it out there. Um, and I think, yeah, that was just, it was really like hustling day by day to think about, you know, this, we knew we loved it and we knew we kind of wanted to get it out there and wanted to do something with it. And we knew it would be a great foot in the door of the fashion industry. And it was just really about finding how to get it out there. So one thing that we did, um, after a couple of months was, I was in Paris, Jess was in Melbourne and Jess came over to Paris and we went to Paris Fashion Week. And the way we did that, we had no connections. So we just really had to, you know, grind our way through it. And we emailed a bunch of designers, a bunch of PRs. We asked if we could attend their shows, if we could have standing tickets, you know, at the back of the back of the shows behind all the like fancy people in the rows seated, uh, the standing tickets. And yeah, we, we went to a couple of shows. Even if we weren't invited to shows, we would just rock up to get our photograph taken and really just hustled our way through. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was definitely a very interesting time. I think another challenge But at the time it felt like a challenge, but now we would see it as um, a benefit was because um, no one was really working with influencers. Brands didn't really know how to treat us and they didn't really know, you know, they didn't really know how to match a monetary value to what we were doing. And it meant that a lot of our initial jobs were for free, um, which at the time, you know, felt a bit frustrating because we were working with these amazing brands, but we were doing it for, you know, little or no cost. Um, But now it's actually something that we recommend to people because it it is something that helped us get our brand out there times a million. You know, if we didn't say yes to every opportunity that came our way in the beginning, we wouldn't be able to say no to the things now. Um, So at the time it definitely felt a bit frustrating, but now looking back, it was absolutely the right move for us because it really just helped get us out there. Wow. Okay. Love it. Okay. So I think this idea of grabbing opportunities and just making opportunities for yourself is something that's so evident and something that I really picked up on in your last talk that um, I watched at League of Extraordinary Women. And so I want to touch on that because I think it's so important. I think many of us 
going to maybe our careers or a new job or whatever it may be, our side hustle, and just think that things are going to come. Just think that the customers will come or the, the as long as I keep take, putting up pretty photos, you know, things will come. But I think that what's so interesting about you guys and how you've always operated, it seems to be that it's that that just pushing it that bit further, that, you know, stepping out of your comfort zone. Where do you think you guys developed that skill of really putting yourself out there, pushing boundaries? And do you think it's something that we can all develop? Definitely. I think it's something that we can all develop. Um, we both have it quite naturally. Like we will not take no for an answer. My boyfriend's always making fun of me about that. But I think something that's so helpful for someone who doesn't have that naturally in them is having a partner in something that they're doing. So Steph and I put ourselves out there on a daily basis and it's scary, but because we have each other at the end of the day, the millions of no's that we get and the embarrassment that we have to face when we get them is basically nothing because we can just giggle about them together and be like, oh, that was embarrassing. Oh, well, you know, and then we use it as a funny story later. Whereas, you know, if you're by yourself, it's isolating, you know, obviously would get you down a lot more if you didn't have a partner in it to just be like, come on, like, let's go for the next one. Mm. I love that. So the idea of like a co-founder is someone who you're working with to really kind of share that weight. And yeah, totally. Okay. Very interesting. Okay. Right. So you're in Paris pretending to be at Fashion Week. Um, talk to us a bit about that scenario there. <laughs> <laughs> so we we went, I think we went to one show in total. I think we only went to one real show, mm. which was, and it was a bit awkward as well because we would like be going to these shows, getting our photograph taken. And then at the right moment when nobody was looking, we'd be like, okay, run, run, you know? Yeah. And we were dressed in really loud outfits as well. So it wasn't that inconspicuous, you know, it was like two chicks running in fancy outfits. We also happened to be matching. We were doing that twinning thing at that point, which was totally accidental. We'd contacted some brands, we'd hustled some brands back in Australia to send us some clothing. And it just, you know, when you look at a collection, two pieces in the same collection just happened to match. So we were doing this matching thing and once we were leaving one of the shows and somebody came up to us and she was like, Hey, I think you guys are great. Can I take your photo? We were like, sure. She was like, by the way, I'm the fashion editor of Grazi UK. And I'm actually doing a piece on twin dressing, which you guys seem to be at the forefront of. And we were like, uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah, totally, totally intentionally. <laughs> it's all planned. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so we ended up going to London. She did an interview on us and used all our fashion week um, photographs and created this three-page spread on how we were at the forefront of this matchy-matchy twinning trend. Yeah, these, like, twins from Australia that were everywhere. And at this point, you know, it was... I think it was four months into our blog. So, you know, we really weren't all that it said that we were. But then overnight, you know, it got printed all over the world and then it was kind of like instantly like our follower numbers just shot up mm. yeah I think it's really about finding that one moment and it's frustrating because you can't necessarily plan for that moment had we been so hung up on how are we going to really like you know grow this like crazy we kind of were just hustling day to day and those things I think often fall into place mm. I think that's a really good point that idea of there's no point searching for this big moment, aha moment or whatever it is, or yay, we've made it. It's just that continuous hustle, that continuous commitment. Totally. Um, I find that really interesting. Okay. So 
I want to just dive over a bit into um, New York. So I find your story fascinating for two reasons. The first one being that, you know, just the continuous hustle, the continuous striving to be the best. And I mean, now you guys pretty much are. So, and you know, that idea of also your travels and bringing this outside of Australia and stepping out of your comfort zone, trying to do it overseas, which I think is a huge thing. So talk to us a bit about, you've obviously got that recognition from Grazia, from from um, being overseas in, in Europe. And then you decided to launch a line in, at New York Fashion Week. Talk to us a bit about that. Yeah. So, um, so we were launching our shoe label and uh, it just perfectly kind of coincided with when we had planned to be at New York Fashion Week for our blog, How to Live. And so obviously, you know, we're at New York Fashion Week. We're like, we're not not going to do anything for our shoe line, even though it was a line of sandals and it was winter at the time in New York. And it was like, literally, I remember one day it was negative 18 degrees. It was like the kind of cold that hurts your face, let alone your toes. Um, so we came up with this idea um, to launch for $500 at New York Fashion Week. And essentially what we did was we found three models on Craigslist and we dressed them up in, you know, swimwear and they had like all this fun beach attire and they were wearing our shoes. And then we took them outside the different venues at New York Fashion Week. And because we had been to, you know, a lot of fashion weeks at this point, we know how many photographers just hang out outside the show, like waiting to take street style and waiting to like catch celebrities and things like that so we just literally created a show outside the shows for them and when we got there we as we're driving up we had no idea if this was going to work like we just dreamed up this scenario and we were like oh well if it fails we've only spent five hundred dollars and we actually had only planned it about a week before as well and we rocked up outside the shows and the second we were out of the car with the girls the photographers were swarming around us and they were loving it we've got video of the two of us just like looking at each other and laughing like as if this actually worked and then yeah we ended up we we actually sent it out to a lot of press and people weren't really that interested in it and so we were just sending them the kind of the photos of what was going on but we realized you know the power of video the power of really telling the story for people that weren't there to really understand exactly how it happened so we created this video um a lot of the video footage we shot we shot after the fact when we were back in Melbourne and kind of made it look like we were there we shot this video together packaged it up told the story in a way that we thought was really going to get people excited and then it just blew up on social media and the Huffington Post ended up picking it up and putting it on their front page which was just crazy and I think for us you know we couldn't imagine doing launching any other way there was no reason that any other startup can't do it. I think that you just, you get caught up in this mindset of I'm small, I'm a small brand. I couldn't do that. But for us, we, we're just, we just naturally dream quite big and we won't compare ourselves to other startups. We'll look at what, what's a big brand going to do? What's a big brand doing at fashion week? And how can we do exactly that? putting aside resources for a second. And then once we have these crazy ideas, we go, okay, cool. How can we hustle to get them done on next to no budget? Yeah. And that's the other thing that's key to everything we do is that we're like such stars at next to no budget. So like (laughs) often, you know, recently we had a pop-up shop, um, on Chapel street in Melbourne, 
uh, which was really amazing. But so when we were planning for that, you know, we were getting advice from people who had opened, you know, similar stores and they were like, oh, you're going to have to spend like tens of thousands of dollars on your fit out. And we were like, absolutely not. And we went and got everything from Kmart and we got everything from Ikea and we painted it all pink. And like, honestly, the store looked absolutely amazing. Everyone who came in raved about it. And I think we ended up spending like $1,500 on the whole fit out. So, you know, there's always a way around things and we never let budget get in our way. Wow. Lots of really good points there. I'd love, I'd love to touch on the budget idea and then also go back to, to the Huffington Post. So firstly, budget. I think that's a really good point you brought up. I think this idea of, well, I'm young, you know, I've got this idea, I've got this side hustle, but how am I going to really make it big? I mean, I'm going to need loads of money for that, that, that idea that you just need lots of money to do something big. And I think exactly as you were saying, I mean, you guys are the example that that's just not true. Even today when you, you actually probably have the money to make it bigger or whatever, you, you still try and go at that low cost. So I think that's a, something really good for us all to take away. But back up to um, that, recreating what happened in New York in Melbourne so that the press could pick it up pick it up how did you even come up with that idea and how did you go about you know just deciding that even though yours was a swimwear line and it was zero degrees negative degrees in you know in the states that you were just going to go for it well I think with the editing the video together we were really desperate because we'd done this thing, we knew it was really cool, we thought it was a great story, but nobody would pick it up and we were sending it to media, sending it to media, and everybody was writing back, nah, don't really get it. So we kind of, I think it happened in February and it wasn't actually till April that it was picked up by Huffington Post because throughout March we were hustling for it and it just wasn't happening and we were like, no, 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 this is the age of social media. If you want something to go viral, you take it into your own hands. What could we do to create that story? And so I think telling the story um, was a really important one. It was probably a mistake we made in the first place, not capturing enough footage at the time. We just kind of thought, oh, yeah, we'll do this and it'll just kind of happen on its own. And, And so, yeah, you know, I think... That's such an important lesson in content creation that in the age of social media, you need to be creating so much content at all times. And video is a really powerful one. And yeah, it it was like a huge payoff. We actually didn't even know it was going to be on the front page of Huffington Post. We, we had an interview with the small business writer there and she said to us, oh yeah, I think it'll be going live on, on this Monday. And we logged on to huffingtonpost.com.au to see it. And it was the whole front page. And we were just like, what is going on? Like, and that, you know, from being told, no, this is not newsworthy to the Huffington Post putting it on their front page really, really was a huge payoff. Hmm. And I think the reason that we did that in the first place was we just thought, okay, if we're going to make a lot of impact with a little bit of budget, what are we going to do that's going to turn heads? Mm -hmm. And when we thought of the weather, it just kind of clicked with us that if it's so cold outside and people are wearing our sandals and next to no clothes, then it's probably going to turn some heads. I think now in the age of social media, a lot more people are doing that kind of stuff. So you've got to be a bit more clever about it. So we're actually plotting another one for this year and thinking about how we can do something a little bit different and not so look at me, but something really, you know, subtly clever. So we'll see what we come up with for that one. 
Excited to see what you come up with. But I do, yeah, I do. I just think your mentality and the way you guys have gone about this is is really is really clever. Bring up that word again. I think that you know, so many of us think that who are we to be recognised by Huffington Post or who are we to kind of have our name, you know, or our little business, you know, um, have our name posted everywhere. And I think that you guys, just that mentality of, well, if other people can do it, then I can do it too, is, is really, um, it's really interesting. I, I, yeah, I really appreciate that about you guys. Um, cool. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so talk to us a bit about the progression of how to live and then tube. So, how did you go from, you know, you're in Paris, you're four, four months into your blog, you know, and all the way through to New York launching tubes, you know, what's the progression been like for you and how long's that period been? Well, we launched How to Live six years ago, so it's been a long period. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, we were doing, we were working with a lot of different brands um, through How to Live probably for about four years before we launched our label. And that was something that came about because we had actually designed a line of shoes with Windsor Smith. Um, and it was a capsule collection, just five shoes. And when I say designed, it was very loosely designed. We, you know, picked out some swatches that we really liked and then they produced and sold the whole thing. Um, and we were like, oh, that was fun and cool. And, you know, it sold really well. We can do that. Uh, so then we kind of started looking into having our own shoe line and that was when we initially you know went over to China to kind of explore what was going on over there and visit some factories um, and really de- start to develop our own line of shoes and even you know with tubes like every season is like a progression and you know we've recently just bought on a footwear designer who's working with us and so you know even you know the next collection of tubes and the one after that that we're working on now like it's always getting bigger and better but with that comes running a business. So whereas before it was just the two of us, literally, and maybe an intern, now we kind of, you know, have a few staff and we are getting to a place where we're, you know, having to formalize things and put processes in place. And it's definitely like we learn every day. And we screw up a lot as well. <laughs> like we screw up so much. Yeah. But yeah, as Jess said, it is all learning thing. Um, and you know, we're constantly looking back and being like, why did we do that? Like even six months into our blog, it was on a blog spot and we were like, it's not that customizable on a blog spot. We want to be able to customize more. Let's move it over to a WordPress. And so we just left our blog, recreated a very successful blog. We just left it and then started a new blog. And then in hindsight, we were like, that was a really stupid idea because we had to rebuild Mm. the viewership from scratch. And Blogspot actually had a really good network of people that they would drive to your blog. And, you know, just little things like that, that we're constantly doing, um, you know, the last couple of years for us, we've really had to neglect how to live a little bit because Mm. we've been working on tubes and been working on the shoe line. And we thought, Oh yeah, running having your own product that that would be easy shoes would be easy but shoes are honestly the most tough of all the fashion items to construct and so intricate and complicated but you know so now we're kind of like well we built this how to live community for so long and and 
you know, we don't just want to give that up. So now we've had to go, okay, cool. What can we do so that we're not spending a hundred percent of our time on tubes? What do, how to live want to see from us? What do our followers want to see from us? And that's why we've come up with this idea of the, the how to live store that we launched as Jess said last year. And so we're going to be launching our site online. And, you know, now that we've thought of it, we're like, why didn't we do this two years ago? Like that should have been the next step. But you know, it's, it's so easy to look back at what you were doing and be like, why didn't I? And, you know, much more productive to just focus on the forward and what can I do from here? Yeah, great. I mean, I think there are two things that come out of, come out of that for me. I think firstly, the journey that you take, you know, it's, I always find it so interesting interviewing entrepreneurs because, you know, they always say, oh, I look back and I think, why didn't I do that? Or, you know, I could have done that and gotten here quicker. And I think what's the most remarkable is the fact that you guys have been able to stick at it for so long. You know, we're in this millennial age where, you know, everything's a distraction. People swap jobs at, you know, the click of a, of a button. They, you know, no one really commits to anything. And so six years is a very long time. And I, I think that, you know, it's so cool that you've just iterated, 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 even if not at the fastest pace or in the best way. So I think what advice could you give to some of our peers out there listening who maybe they have an idea, maybe they're two years in, but you know, things are getting tough. You know, they don't know if the way they're going is, is a hundred percent right for them. You know, what would be your advice? I mean, honestly, we have those moments still ourselves. Like we, we go through this like weekly, what are we doing? Are we doing the right thing? Is this the way that we should be going? But I think for us, I think Jess has something she wants to say too. But what I really thought of when you said that was mentors. And that's really been our way of fast tracking because you're learning from somebody else's mistakes that they've already kind of made for you. And also, you know, you're, you're learn when you don't know the answers and when you are feeling kind of lost, they're who you turn to and go, all right, what do I do? They kind of keep you on track. And we've been really privileged to have some incredible, incredibly successful mentors, women and men, um, and who have just kind of really been generous with their time and, and really guided us through this journey because, you know, all of these things that you're saying that people feel at the beginning and two years in, we still feel them six years in. And we, we actually, we decided for 24 hours that we were going to close how to live when we were, when we were coming up with this, this idea of the how to live store, we were like, nah, you know what? It's over. It's done. Um, and, and then we started telling our friends and then it just didn't feel right. And so after 24 hours, we, you know, we were like, okay, no, there's something in this. We need to be doing something with this, but you know, it's hard. We, mm. we often just turn to each other and say, business is tough. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> That's our thing at the moment. Business is hard. Um, what I was going to say before is I was laughing because the first thing that came to my mind is like, we're such persistent people that we're long-term relationship people. And when you said six years, we've also both been with our boyfriends for six years. Wow. So it's just quite, it was just quite funny to me. Like, like all the, you know, it all kind of links. And mm. I think that really comes down to persistence. And as Steph said, you know, with our mentors, our mentors really push us and, you know, they're constantly saying to us, like, are you sure this is the right thing for you? And 
I think something that we've really learned is not being afraid to pivot and change our minds and go back on things that we said and try different things. So, you know, when we sit there at the moment, we ha- we're working with a consultant and we kind of, you know, been going through our history and he's like, you know, mapping it all out for us. And he's like, wow, you girls have really tried everything. You know, <laughs> for a minute there, we were doing tube summer parties and then, you know, now we're taking it in more fashion forward direction. We're also doing slippers that you can get at St. Jerome's Hotel. Exactly. You know, so we really, you know, I think that's what it comes down to is that like we have, you've got to develop a really thick skin and not be afraid to just try things. And if they fail, it doesn't mean that you're not on the right track. It just means that maybe you're going about it in the wrong way. And I think that's really what we've learned. And, you know, hopefully we, I think we both feel quite confident that we're on, you know, the right path now, but we definitely, you know, but today at least today, <laughs> definitely maybe this afternoon will be a different story, but you know, when I we, leave, it's all changing. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, we definitely, you know, we have tried a lot of things. And I think being open to that criticism as well, you know, like we have our various mentors that are good for certain things. And, you know, one is just such a cheerleader and is there completely to support. And sometimes you need that. And then we have other ones who will sit with and they'll be like, girls, what is this? What are you doing here? This, this looks awful. And we'll be like, thank you. We really needed to hear that. You know, like if we went into those meetings and we were like, no, how can you say that? And defensive, what would be the point of it? You know, like you've got to be really, really open to it. And, and that's when you kind of lead to those more brilliant moments. Like we almost released a new, a new collection really recently that was um, different to our sandals and we will be releasing it in the new year, but it wasn't ready. Like we knew it wasn't ready, but we just really wanted it to get, we wanted to release it. We were like over working on it. We were just like, we want people to see it. And then we went to this one mentor and she was like, girls, what are you showing me? This is not ready. Like you need another six months to work on this. And we were like, yeah, you're right. So like, we thought that we didn't say it out loud. You know, she made it okay for us to prolong it another six months. Mm. I love it guys. Mm-hmm. I think, I mean, you've just, so many learnings have come out of that. And I think that idea of just you know, you guys not being afraid to be like, yeah, look, it was a hard, hard road and it still is. And I think that that's that misconception a lot of us have. Oh, you know, in, in three months time, a bit, or in six years time, you know, I'm going to be cruising. It's going to be all good. And it's, you know, it's just not how it goes, not how business goes. And so I think that's a really big takeaway for us all. So yeah, love that. I think you also need to learn to enjoy the moment because if you are constantly going, well, in three years, I'm going to enjoy this or in six years, I'm going to enjoy this. You're never going to enjoy it. You know, you can't and even for us like it's hard to remember that sometimes sometimes you're looking towards this goal and you're like when I get there you know then we'll be really happy with what we're doing but you know like we just got back from a trip to China last week and we we have this amazing female-led supply team over there and we work with these little factories and you know just going and seeing the factories and and having these hilarious moments of being lost in the middle of China like you know it's all part of it and it's why we do what we do Mm love it great guys look well i really appreciate your time today we've had some epic conversation going on here and so i want to start to wrap up but before i do i firstly want to acknowledge you both for the awesome work you're doing and that you've done over the years and just for being those role models for all of us all of our peers out there listening um who maybe want to do something a bit different who have that passion that side hustle and are just not too sure they haven't committed fully yet so we really appreciate that and 
I'm personally, I think we're all very excited to see where, where it all goes. Thank you. So we're also excited. (laughs) (laughs) We'll let you know when we know. (laughs) Excuse me. Sounds good. Perfect. So I'd love to finish up with a final question, which is how we finish all of our interviews here at the Peers Project. And that is, what is the value of pursuing what you're most passionate about? Good question. The value of pursuing what you're most passionate about. I mean, I think for us, we, we really just don't know any other way than pursuing what you're passionate about. Um, and I think a lot of people, you know, see this path for themselves set out by, you know, their families or their school's expectation that, you know, I have to go and I have to study a certain thing and, and follow this traditional career path. I think for us, you know, we we get so much fulfillment in what we do because we have been really lucky to have not had those pressures placed on us by our family and really had these amazing role models showing us that you can kind of do whatever you want to do. You can be whoever you want to be. And I think that's something that we really want to pass on to people. We want to see a lot more people following their passions, particularly women who don't necessarily, you know, for some reason, men just kind of find it easier to take that leap. And we really want to show women that, you know, they can do it. We want to support them in that journey. And we really want to, I think at the end of the day, you know, there's nothing more fulfilling than, than doing what you're really passionate about. Yeah. I just feel like life's too short not to, you know, like, why wouldn't we get the most out of every day when we wake up? You know, we're all super lucky to be here and I just don't want to waste a minute, you know? And I think by putting things off and saying, oh, tomorrow I'll start that, tomorrow I'll start that, you know, it's, why not today? Like today is the day. Today's your day, people. (laughs) I love it. Wow. Wow. Okay. So thanks so much, uh, Jess and Steph. Um, Where can people learn more about you and your work? Well, our our links don't translate very well to... (laughs) to speech because there are a lot of weird W's and T's around. But um, if you head to howtolive.com, that's T-W-O or at howtolive on Instagram. And then also tubes.com, which is T-W-O-O-B-S. You can find us there. And at tubes on Instagram as well. Perfect. We'll link them up in the show notes. Had so much fun, guys. And for everyone else listening, we will end with that. Peers, that's a wrap. Thank you for tuning in to the latest episode of the Peers to Peers podcast. We hope you've enjoyed your introduction to our latest guest peer and that you find them as gung-ho as we do, which is our way of saying inspirational. For more, make sure to subscribe to our show on iTunes, Spotify, or any app where podcasts are played and leave us a review. We produce with passion and it doesn't stop here to see what else we're up to visit thepeersproject.com or follow us on instagram at thepeersproject we'll have fresh real talk for you next week peers until then if you need inspiration look amongst your peers <laughs>